0: only on a sunday a podcast about more than church
1: welcome to
2: the only on a sunday podcast my name is kristen lowry and i'm joined by my husband daniel hola this season we are focusing on reimagining prayer what prayer looks like in terms of Jesus' invitation to abide in him and his directive to live out our spiritual authority in bringing about the Great Commission. We have the privilege of Anne DeLicer joining us today. Hi, Anne.
1: Hi, lovely to be here.
0: <laughs> Anne is the director of Local Houses of Prayer, a prayer movement birthed out of Fafal de Brennan Retreat Center in Wales, UK. As the director of LHOP, Anne's passion is to cultivate the presence of God in communities and to see the kingdom breaking in power across the nations. Anne has trained people from the UK and around the world in how to establish a local house of prayer, and the training resources she has developed have been translated into over 20 languages. Anne is qualified as an engineer and worked for 18 years as a director of Signet. She has lived and worked in India, Malawi, Tanzania, Mozambique, and Senegal, and served 10 years on the main board of Tier Fund and is currently on the UK board of Mission India and the Wall of Answered Prayer. She is married to David and has two sons. Anne and David currently reside in Oxford, England, and attend their local Church, and thank you so much for joining us. And you know, we, we've talked a couple of times, and I'm always a little bit jealous about your proximity to the C.S. Lewis mecca. So, could you share <laughs> with our audience really quickly, like where you live?
1: So, I live in a little village in in Oxfordshire, and uh, yeah, it's it's a little village called Stamford in the Vale. The Vale being the Vale of the White Horse. And mm. it's alleged that both Tolkien and C.S. Lewis had cups of tea in our village in a little <laughs> coffee down the road. So yeah. Um,
0: okay. So if we were if we were there me. if if I was with you right now, Ann and we decided to go get a cup of tea, like how long would it take us to get to the Vale of the White Horse?
1: So we're in the Vale of the white horse. You can oh. see the white horse etched on our land. It's the, wow. the oldest white horse that was etched on our land 2,000 years before Revelation was written.
0: Oh.
1: And yeah, so All right. yeah, that's so where we is, are.
0: This is holy ground. Amazing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're, you're kind of bringing in the last episode and uh, we saved the best for last, literally. And we've been talking this season about prayer, reimagining prayer from the vantage point first of abiding what does it look like to abide in Christ, abiding prayer? Yeah. Jesus's dual invitations to us, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And then kind of the follow-up invitation, right? Now abide in me. Don't, don't just come and get your rest, stay here, right? <laughs> so abide in him and what does that look like and how do we live that out? Then we've moved into the second season of the podcast and talking about activating prayer. And the promise is, you know, you will abide in me and you will bear much fruit. And then later on, right, ask of me anything and I will give it to you. And so really talking about how we as individual believers, how we as the people of God can be advancing the kingdom and what role and dynamic prayer plays in that. And so, yeah, I, I heard you do a talk on blessing and I was like, yes, this is fabulous. And then I was part of one of your Hop teachings and I was like, man, this is great. So just the fact that you're joining us, I'm so, so excited. You're like royalty around here. <laughs> That's great. But we've started every season with a, a, every episode with a funny story. So uh, do you, and have a funny prayer story that you can share with our audience?
1: Well, I have a story and it's funny to me because of the situation. I'm not sure how funny it's going to be to everybody else, but... It's actually quite a recent story. And I was at this little retreat center, which we'll talk a bit more about later, called Felderbranen. And it's an interesting place because people who read the grace outpouring are just hungry for God and they come from all over the world. So there we were Mm -hmm. in this little, just outside a little chapel called Castellum. It was a conference that we were holding. And there was a lady from your side of the pond. And as we were talking, I just said, I said to her, I said, oh, could I bless you? Like this, you see, and her eyes lit up up and she said I'd love that. So I I thought, okay. And I was just sort of listening, Jesus, how would you like me to bless this lady? And I just had these words in the garden. So I just said, and, and, you know, sometimes when you're praying, you, you have just the words, but then you a sense that you'll go somewhere else, but you don't quite know how it's all going to land. And so my opening thing was, I just want to bless you, and I forget her name, that you will meet Jesus in the garden. And for me, that was the launch pad. But for her, it was just, that was it. That was it. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> she's she sort of like... <sighs> Thank you. You have no idea. And all the rest of it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have more to say, but I never got to say any more. <laughs> that was it. And, <laughs> and looking back, I think sometimes it's like that in our prayers. Yeah, I was just, it's funny because, because I'm laughing at myself. You know, we had agreement with each other. There was probably an alignment with heaven, and that was job mm-hmm. done. But actually, <laughs> in my mind, there was so much more to come. But whatever was to come never came. That was enough. And she was very happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. That sounds so that's, well, that's great. great. That's great. I've had a few <laughs> prayers like that. Yeah. No, no, no. I have a whole teaching to give you. Come on. <laughs> don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's jump in a little bit to your story and would love to hear a little bit about kind of, you know, where you came from, how you got to know Jesus and a little bit of your prayer journey. So, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So I was brought up in a church going family not not overtly christian but something landed in my spirit. And uh, I, I went to a school and it was, part, it was part of the Anglican church. And at a certain age, people got confirmed. And I don't, I'm sort of person that I don't like just doing things as everybody else does things at the right time. <laughs> so, But i I knew that there was something stirring in my heart, even though I understood very little. And the school chaplain, I knew was going to ask me this question, why do you want to confirm your belief in Jesus Christ? To be honest, looking back of it, I don't really think he had much idea of it either, to be honest. But nevertheless, he asked me the question and the answer that came out of my mouth was, I want to be a sacrifice for Jesus. Mm. And, And this man just looked at me and he said, a living sacrifice, I hope you know, trying to make sense of what I'd said. And I'm like, well, whatever, you know, and that, (laughs) you know. (laughs) How, How old were you at this point? I was 13. Okay. Yeah. yeah so this is very real for me and I then carried on in my Christian walk without fellowship without but it was real for me and so that was an important time and then I went to university I carried on going to church still knowing not a lot and you know average age of 80 except for you know what I mean so it was that kind of a context and by the time I got to university of course then met many other Christians and I remember a friend saying to me oh I." go to this lovely church. Would you like to come? And I'm like, well, I just like going early in the morning and disappearing. And when she said it was, you know, oh, people even clap their hands. I was thinking, no, this doesn't sound like me at all. But anyway, I went along And I think the thing that struck me, I remember it. I remember seeing an intimacy that these people had with Jesus that I really wanted. I didn't really, again, understand it, but I saw something that I wanted. And it was quite funny, actually, because I remember saying to this friend who'd taken me along to church, saying, you know, I I do now understand about the Father. I understand about Jesus, but I really don't get this about the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And... Uh, (laughs) she didn't either, to be honest, you know, she gave me some answer, which really didn't land for me at all. But I love the way when you ask questions like that, that God kind of hears the question. And it was, Mm. it was in a very charismatic church. And before I knew where I was, the, the pastor, David Huggett, in fact, Joyce Huggett wrote many books on listening, listening prayer. He was knocking on my door saying, would you like to, we're doing a weekend on the Holy spirit and he knew nothing of my question but God heard it and again that was a very significant time for me to understand about the person yeah and without without him you know I I wouldn't be where I am now that's for sure (laughs) yeah so that's that's a little bit of my journey
0: Wonderful. So you're you're in college, and you are growing in Christ and all of that. And then somehow you become an engineer and yeah. travel the world. Is that yeah. yeah?
1: Yeah, my background was an engineer. In fact, the the pastor of the church was also an aeronautical engineer. And I was kind of once I really found my faith, went off to Zimbabwe, got baptized in the holidays. You know, in some pool in Nyanga, freezing cold. I, I was quite happy to give up my university career and just follow Jesus and sweet floors in Africa. But I remember the, the pastor there saying, maybe God could use you as an engineer. And that's initially what happened. I worked initially in India and then in Malawi, just with the skills that I had, but with a passion for Jesus. And yeah, just watching to see what doors he would open.
0: Yeah, I think that's the one thing about your story that I I really wanted to share with people is is I mean this kindly. So please (laughs) please hear (laughs) what I'm saying. But you're you're an ordinary girl from the UK. Like you're not a seminary trained. I felt this call to pastor. You're a young lady that loved Jesus and went to be an engineer, and you did that. And you know, I just think that brings so much hope to people that following Jesus, you know, you can do that just living life being married having a couple of kids (laughs) yeah so so you are you know an engineer and then I'm going to assume that along the way there are a number of turning points or transitions in your understanding of prayer could you share some of those with us
1: so now I just want to pick up too on your point there of an ordinary person because for me it's a complete misnomer that I'm like I'm doing what I'm even doing now. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, Mm. seriously, this, you know, this would not. I really what am I doing, Lord? Why, why, why me? And I think you you're right. The answer probably is in the ordinariness, actually. I, I actually think mm. there's something really important about that, that I'm not an expert. And, and even I would say in answer to your question, I'm not an expert on prayer either, which I'm sure is a real disappointment to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true I'm not saying that out Mm. of false humility because I think you know false humility leads us into you know keeps us from our destiny whereas true true humility you know leads us into it and I actually think Mm. too that sometimes when we do the things we're not qualified to do. That's what qualifies us because we keep in a place of complete dependence on God. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to really underline the ordinary, (sighs) ordinariness of this. And I love it when, you know, when, when God asks Moses to do something and he's like, who am I? You know, and God doesn't say, oh, well, you speak really well. You know, the answer is Mm -hmm. my presence will go with you. It wasn't about who am I. It's who's going to go with you. This,
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah so <laughs> it's not who am I. It's who are you? Yeah, but, exactly, yes.
1: exactly. Mm. Wrong question, Moses. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets hold of it and he says, "Well, actually, I'm not. You know, Exodus thirty-three, fifteen. I'm not going anywhere unless you're going with me. You know, and that would be my song." Is yeah, so in answer to your question, it's a really interesting one because, you know, there are certain scriptures, and I remember some about the kingdom of God, and I remember this one about abiding in prayer, that you remember they are kind of touch points. And you, although I didn't have great revelation of it, I I remember where I was walking. I was actually in Malawi, walking along a street, and I'd been thinking about this passage on I am the vine and you are the branches, he who abides in me. So I think, you know. That, that landed in my spirit, but I have to say, and sometimes I do it, but, you know, when somebody says to me, oh, Anne, how is your prayer life? You know, my heart sinks because I would honestly say, well, could be better, quite honestly. And I long for it to be better. I'm passionate about the kingdom of God. I'm passionate about the presence of God, but I would never see myself as an expert in prayer, um, very much, very, very much a learner. But I, I was I was reading recently about um, Dallas Willard and what he said, you know, don't seek to develop a prayer life, seek a praying life. And I just, you know, a prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. A praying life is a life that's saturated with prayerfulness. Mm. And I just love that because I think sometimes when we think of prayer we just kind of bottle it up to this time I mean we all know that it's really important to have intentional times of prayer if we're really going to really take seriously abiding prayer but it's so easy to think that it's something that we do (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I and I think that that's the challenge and um, I think just more recently as I've kind of been on this journey of discovering, and I love well both Oswald Chambers and Elizabeth Browning. These will be the end of my quotes from, from famous people. But Oswald Chambers said, "We can we can all see God in exceptional things, but it requires the growth of a spiritual discipline to see God in every detail." And I love Elizabeth Browning. I don't know whether you know the earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush a fire with God but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest of us sit around and pluck blackberries. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just think, you know, that's the kind of the season that he's calling us into in in our prayer and our war, whatever we call it, is that it's, you know, who is she coming out of the wilderness leaning on our beloved? It's something about... Seeing God in every detail and just watching and seeing what he's doing. And as you quoted earlier, you know, from from Matthew, come to me, come to me, come to me. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? You know, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And this is what we're coming into this isn't something about performance, it's something about grace, it's something about intimacy. And those are the things that I'm learning about now. And it, it really is. And I love the story of the Indian wedding saris, you might have heard it, of you know this really complicated cloth that is being woven. And you'd think it was a really complicated machine, but actually it was just a father sitting on top of a loom with a son with lots of shuttles. And the sh- the son just waits for his father's nod. And then he knows mm. that that shuttle needs to go, go across. And for me, that's the tapestry of really exciting prayer. When you know when God has spoken, you hold it in your heart. You, you come into agreement with him and alignment with his purposes. And then you just wait for the father's nod and you move in obedience when he calls you to move. And um, yeah. So that's my very kind of, I can't overstate the ordinariness of it, but this last season has been about taking off my shoes rather than picking the blackberries, you know, just Mm -hmm. seeing where God is in the ordinariness because somehow I sort of sense that God just... You know, it's the ordinary people in the ordinary places that just take their place. And then everyone thinks, well, it's got to be God because it seriously can't be them, you know, because they. Yeah. So that's that's Mm -hmm. been my journey, a very kind of mottled and and whatever journey you like to call it. But um, I'm still learning as I go.
0: (laughs) No, I, I think it is wonderful. I think that's one of our heart's cry is is to help people just, as you say, take their place, right? Like ordinary people mm-hmm. to take their place in yeah. the kingdom and the authority that they walk in. Mm-hmm. And as a church, I think we've kind of tried to outsource our authority, <laughs> you right. know? Right. Yeah, like we're going to, oh, well, that's the, you know. We're gonna have the pastor do it. We're gonna have the leaders. We're gonna have the. We would never say this, but the shamans of our, of our community kind of, kind of do it. And that's what I really appreciate about your story is you are someone who would be considered ordinary who took their place, mm-hmm. who took their post. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's continue on your story a little bit. You you find yourself at this retreat center in the middle of nowhere lots of sheep from what I understand (laughs) only just this little village and God does an amazing work and it kind of bursts the local houses of prayer so can you just share with us that story
1: yeah so I went there was a lady from our church here who gave us a copy of the book that many of the listeners might have read and if you haven't I, I do recommend it it's called the grace outpouring by Roy Godwin and I read this book. There are I'm not a, a great reader, but it was one of those few books that I just didn't want to put down. And when I read it, I am a bit missile-like. You know, I just like I, I I sense something about the presence of God, which I just thought I want to go there. I want to. I just want to see something because I'm I'm done with religion and I'm hungry for the presence of God and hungry for the more. So there was something in this, and I ended up there. And yeah, to be honest, I mean. It's not even a village it's on a in a place called Sighpant, which actually in Welsh that's a Welsh name I'm not pronouncing it very well which means dry stream and it's it's a place where of history so it's just a little farmhouse by a mountain which is called Carnigley which is a hill of angels so Saint Brina in the mm. um, 500 AD would go and pray on these mountains so it's got mm. history and yeah it's just a story and, and believe me we're contending for so much more but it's just yeah. a story of just people hungry for, for God in a place where it has got history and maybe some unblocked wells and, yeah. um, and then people take their place listen to God and the presence of God starts increasing and people just, God starts doing things and the people just jump mm-hmm. in on what God is doing. And so it, for me at, at so many levels, I mean, they just have a simple rhythm of prayer and it's nothing particularly, you could download it off the, off the internet for free. It's nothing particularly exciting. It's quite liturgical, but it's in the mix again of the ordinariness, you know, mm-hmm. that God starts doing th- extraordinary things. You know, I mean, like a Canadian lady leading the evening prayers, and a couple who'd wanted to celebrate their wedding anniversary there just going there missed the midday prayers, which is only 15 minutes. Go and listen to a copy of the book of the grace outpouring by the cross, and by the time they get to evening prayers you know, the volunteer. And this is the point, not the, you know, anointed man or woman of God, a volunteer reads out liturgy, wherever there is spiritual darkness, may your light shine. And this blind lady received her sight. I mean, Um. and it's just that inspirational story of like a place of his presence and God doing stuff, people getting out the way, but blessing what God is doing and seeing the immeasurably more. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, another story on it, which I just love is these Eritreans who go there want to, you know, they're there for night prayers. They're there for the morning prayers. And it looks by the way they look that they haven't gone to bed. And so somebody says, what was the problem with the bed's not comfortable? No, no, no. That's not the problem. The problem was when we tried to go to bed, there was a really large angel standing outside the chapel and we didn't know how to greet him. So we decided to stay in the chapel for the rest of the night. (laughs) Now, you might not understand those things. I don't understand those things. But I do know that when when you see an increase of the prophetic, of signs and wonders, of an increase in the angelic, You know, let's lean in and pay attention and try and learn what God might be be, be teaching us. So, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, I wonder when I when I hear about is it Fafald Brennan? Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. Okay. When I read about that, and I love all these stories. I think it is in the. Like there is no ordained, you know, degreed minister who is facilitating these encounters, right? No. It's just people, yeah, saying yes to God, exactly, right? Like we we talked about this in our last season of the podcast about church and the kingdom and how it almost seems like a lot of times, are at least in the U.S. I don't know about the U.K., but in the U.S., we have this Western notion, the experts need to do it. And that seems to have actually put a, a stop for the kingdom to be unleashed. Absolutely. Um, so I, I love hearing hearing about these places where volunteers,
1: <laughs>
2: volunteers are reading this prayer and the kingdom is just unleashed here on earth as it, as it is in heaven because that's what we want to see. Yeah, but I think it, it's so important for us to realize it's just people saying yes to God. Exactly. Exactly. You know,
0: it's it's interesting you say that as we kind of uh, hone in on this ordinary kind of theme, because I feel like in in the church right now we have extraordinary people doing ordinary things. <laughs> Yeah. and what God is you know what I mean <laughs> like we're just like there's nothing happening it's just ordinary it's just to church and in home and what you're talking about is ordinary people doing extraordinary things like yeah. we've got it we've got it backwards exactly. we've got it reversed exactly. yeah
1: exactly and I really think there's a shift on it I really believe you know this is not about platforms it's not about microphones. I remember no. when I was speaking at the Worldwide Conference, I mean, I really was like, Lord, this is not my idea of fun because I don't like platforms <laughs> and I don't like microphones. <laughs> and I don't believe that's what God is doing. You know, he's empowering and hmm. equipping, as you say, everyone to rise up and take their place. And I think when we see the miracles, sometimes we rejoice in the miracles. It's wonderful that this lady, you know, it's received a sign. She wasn't sure she wanted to go home because she'd never seen her eight-year-old daughter. But we miss... Oh. We miss the kind of DNA of the story, which is about simplicity. It's about the presence of God. It's about ordinary people. It's about simple rhythms. It's about Mm -hmm. a restoration of a place. And then when we start taking that DNA and dreaming for our own community, then we join up with Habakkuk and say, you know, Habakkuk 3, 2, revive your works. I've heard the stories of what you've done. Do it again in my place and uh, i think this um, is this is what he's calling us into and it's an exciting it's an exciting invitation um it's not always easy i'm not saying it's always easy but yeah right
0: so you're there at the retreat center and just ordinary people and god doing the extraordinary and I don't know the exact story and history, but then somehow you become the director, the founder, whatever terminology we use, of the local houses of prayer. And it's really this movement intended to take what's happening here and put it into the local, right? The yeah. the farmer in Scotland, the lawyer in Hollywood, like in just everywhere. Let's take the presence and expand it around the nations. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what what is the vision? What's the dream? What are you guys doing?
1: Yeah. So literally local houses of prayer isn't You know, when you get to my age, I don't know, but I'm just done with bright ideas. Do you know what I mean? Just hello, like this. And so I don't think this is just a bright idea. It's come out of just like leaning into, okay, Lord, so you're doing something here. Could we take those, those simple principles and share them with other people, learn with other people across the nations and see what might happen. And so I kind of got into the mix of this and... I won't go into all the details. It's a long story, but it's just one of those stories like, well, if I said that, you know, I've been listening to God for for the last 30 years, but I've probably, in terms of prophetic stuff and all the way that God has spoken, it's probably increased by about a hundredfold in the last four years than it had in the rest of my life put together. So that gives a measure of the sort of sense of like, okay, so, and Anyway, I was in the chapel and I we'd start our local house of prayer. The vision of a local house of prayer is this is my street, this is my community, this is my government office, this is the school where God has called me to serve. And I want to see God's kingdom come in power in this particular piece of earth as it is in heaven. And of course, we're coming into complete alignment. I mean, Jesus told us to pray, "Your kingdom come, here on earth as as it is in heaven." Not mm-hmm. just to keep us busy, but because that's what His intention is. And so that's the vision. And I just kind of said yes to God. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember well, you know, sort of a year or two into the journey. After we'd started one in our village and things were bubbling up in other places because I was working with Tearfund, Fund and we were working in, in lots of different nations. So things were beginning to bubble up. And I I remember being in the chapel on my own, sensing God was asking me, will you take this? And I was in floods of tears, A, because I'm like, surely you could find somebody better off to do that. And anyway, I don't really understand this fully, but I said yes to God. And, you know, immediately sensed it was just for such a time as this. And I think it is for us all that we're coming into for such a time as this kind of season. We're in it really. Mm. So that was my journey. And since then, I remember we were we were sharing with some some guys in Uganda and then the Tanzanians got wind of it and it was like, oh, should we do this? And and I said, Well, should we just concentrate on one place, see how this goes? And I remember talking to this Ugandan lady, she said, in all seriousness, she said, she didn't say that, but her face is like that. She said, The thing is, Anne, in Africa, we build our planes as we fly. <laughs> <laughs> And I, did, I mean, I did leadership and organizational development. I'm an engineer. I like some degree of order, but mm. this has been a season which has not been, you know, it's like, you know, you're. I remember somebody saying to me, "And you're normally somebody to bring order out of chaos, but God's going to bring you in some chaos and you're going to watch him bringing the order. And it's been that one of those kind of journeys. And yeah, we're still contending for so much more, but we are just watching and seeing what he does as he just links us with ordinary people. I just love it. Ordinary people around the nations from Singapore to India. I us talk to a lady in India early this morning. We're doing training for the guys in Mumbai later on in the week. It's just extraordinary how God sees these people and they're taking their place. And mm.
0: And so these local houses of prayer really, they're not churches, right? Like the churches, it's not like, so, you know, Chris and I, we pastored for 15 years, local church, and, you know, it's not the latest church activity we're doing, <laughs> you know, oh, so now, you know, we're moving away from this discipleship and now we're going to be a local house of prayer. It's ordinary people, right? Just saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. So what do you do? How do you help them? Like, what is the hope for just this individual house of prayer on this? Main street, wherever it is. What is the goal? What do you how do you help them?
1: So, so basically, when when we're sharing about the vision and principles, we're always saying, you know, if you start a local house of prayer in Wagadougou in Burkina Faso or in Los Angeles, it's all going to be different, but the vision and the principles are going to be the same. And so that's what we share around the place. And the vision is quite simply, you know, that we will see God's kingdom come in power in this particular mm-hmm. patch I mean we've had mm-hmm. people in our street saying I mean we haven't really gone live or like we're doing this but people have got the measure of it and just saying to us how long have you been doing this because the atmosphere in our street has changed I mean people move into this street I mean even the postman mm-hmm. knows he's got to yeah take more time walking down our street because because of the sense of community. So we just we just take our place, we do some very practical things and you know I could I could point people in the direction of what those look like, but quite simply it's just we meet with with some others in our street, in our community, we share the good news stories of what God is doing because he is doing something we partner with him, we bless what he's doing, we speak blessings over our community. And we worship, we invite the manifest presence in our houses with the hope that, you know, just like the the houses in revival time in Barmouth and Wales or even in Scotland in the Hebrides, you know, that the presence would become so manifest it would spill over to the streets. I remember just a slight aside, but it's a good story. I was sitting at the feet of two ladies in the Hebrides and there's a wonderful revival in the 1940s in the Hebrides. And uh, as I sat at the feet of these two ladies and heard the stories, that's all I wanted to do. Because the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And we, when we hear and tell the stories of what God has done in the past, it's a proclamation of what he's going to do again. And they were just Mm. two little old ladies in their 80s reflecting of even the ship that passed by in the sea knew that the presence of God had landed on the land. It's that level Mm. that we're contending for. And I was talking actually to a guy your side of the pond just before Christmas. And he said something that really landed in my spirit. He said, you know, I, I felt as though God had said four or five years ago, there's going to be a pandemic across the nations and then he said and it's going to be followed by a pandemic of my presence mm-hmm. I mean we wouldn't that just be good you know that you and mm-hmm. I Christ in us the hope of glory that even as we walk down the streets in our communities atmospheres might shift and things might start happening and I I, I think I don't know we'll watch and see but I sense we're coming yeah. into to that kind of level of a of a season
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned blessings, and, and I really think this is where Brennan and, and yourself are really doing the church a service and, and reminding us of blessing and what is blessing prayer and its role in our lives and the kingdom. something simple that every believer could do. Could you just share with us as though we know nothing about blessing prayer? It's all new to us. And what is it and how does it look in just the everyday life of the believer? I would
1: agree with you. I think, well, let me tell you a quick story before I get into the nuts and bolts about blessing. So Justin Welby, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury at the Anglican Church, and he said at a big meeting four or five years ago, he said, before any new move of God, there is a new wave, a new expression of prayer. It's as though God, you know, he didn't say this bit, but it is as though God is breathing on something for the new season. It's not new, but he breathes on something. And then he said, and the established church generally resisted and that is yes. also true both of those things are church history i mean that's you know and i i believe as you as you were just saying there daniel that i think blessing is something that god is breathing on It's not new. The Celtics knew all about it. It is actually in a posture of speaking, proclaiming God's blessing rather than us praying that God will bless. So even Mm. in number six, so shall you speak to the people of Israel and I will bless them. So when we're blessing, you know, if I was blessing you, I would be, I would just start and I say, I bless you, Daniel, in Jesus' name, that the Lord himself may bless you, that his face may shine upon you, that he may lead you into new seasons of fruitfulness. And you're speaking that, and I'm looking at you as I'm saying it, because in, in number six, it says, so shall you speak to the people of Israel and I will bless them. I mean, God could bless you, Daniel, without me, but he chooses... And calls us to take our place, Deuteronomy ten eight. You know, standing in the presence, carrying the presence, and speaking blessings. It's almost as though we're putting a target and God pro- on people, on places, and God promises that I will bless. And He just loves doing this in partnership. But it ties into what you were saying earlier. It's all about us understanding that it is. The priesthood of all believers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and there's a book out actually by a guy called Graham Tomlin, and it's called The Widening Circle. Graham Tomlin is, he leads one of the largest theological colleges in, in the UK, and he's a bishop in, in London. But I love the title, The Widening Circle, and it, underneath it says Priesthood, God's Way of Blessing the World. You know, this just might be a little bit important. That we understand it's our calling to stand, to carry and to, to stand in his presence, to carry his presence and to speak his blessings. And presence is at the key of everything. You know, it's it's the encounter that we you and I have in his presence that will equip us to be the transformational people for our communities. There's no shortcut on it. Even if you look at the passage in Leviticus, I think it's 9, 23, 24. And he talks about Aaron, you know, just going and speaking a blessing over the people. And quite honestly, not a lot happens first time round. And then Moses says, no, 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 no. Come into the place, the tent of meeting. And they go into the tent of meeting and they come out, they do exactly the same thing. And the second time around, fire falls and everybody is flat on their faces. Mm -hmm. So there's something, you know, I wouldn't actually use the word blessing prayer because I think the danger is that people then start thinking this is a posture of prayer, whereas actually it's a different posture. We're speaking, (laughs) We're speaking to people and places in the delegated authority that Jesus Christ has given. He has given us these keys, (laughs) and I think it's something He's blowing on, as you as you were saying in this season, that we will arise and take our place.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love what you say about the priesthood because my personal soapbox. Sorry for the American slang there, uh, but my personal soapbox is like, you know, the Reformation did a lot of wonders for the church, but one of the one of Luther's main I don't know doctrinal statements, or one of the things he was trying to get was the priesthood of all believers, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem as though that one changed, because mm-hmm. the church still operates much like the Catholic Church. There's the the father, the you know the rector, whatever it is, and then there's the crowd. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. five hundred years later, or more from the Re- Reformation, like we say we believe in you know the priesthood of all believers as an idea. Yeah. but our churches don't operate that way no, no. And people, you know, ordinary people, you know, if we want to pray, we got to wait for the Thursday night prayer meeting that my church is hosting. Does mm-hmm. that or yeah, or maybe yeah, on, yeah. right? So you know, I can't wait to take my neighbor, to a meeting where someone else can pray for them. Yeah. versus what you're talking about which is no 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 no. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, so it it just seems to me that what kind of you're one of many who are really trying to remind people of their authority, their place as priests, sure. right? Sure. Yeah. So is
1: for real. You know. This is really for real. I really you know he's given us a staff Do you know what I mean it's like this is for real
2: when um, i love when we did um you know we we took our little group of people through the the praying the five yeah um and blessing these five people that are on your heart and i love how it's very user friendly yeah because i think for someone who is not used to praying over you know they feel embarrassed or they feel self-conscious and a lot of times i i know we can feel the tendency that we have to say something just right like a like an incantation yes you know like magic if i say it just right then then god (laughs) will listen to me and i and it's really not not that and when we pray the fives and declare the blessing of the lord over someone or their home or whoever, whatever it is we're covering, it's very simple. Yes. We, I bless them with your peace, right? I, so I loved that piece of what you've helped or the local houses of prayer has put out there into the world because it is just so simple. Yeah,
1: there's no magic and, word. <laughs> it's so funny you you use that because I remember sharing with a very large church. Well, it was a small group with a very mm. well-known church, your side of the pond. And it was one of those occasions where I suddenly realized I was, as I often am, in, in, in the presence of some giants. You know, I just thought they were ordinary mm. people like me. And then I realized they'd also they'd written books. I haven't written books. Anyway, <laughs> and as I was sharing about local houses of prayer, I, I was almost apologizing. I said, this is so simple. You know, I was just a I found myself, mm. I hear myself apologising for the simplicity. And this lady, I remember it to this day, she said, you know, every time you said it, this is so simple. She heard the Holy Spirit say, well, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, and I yes. think, you know, this is where I think God is just with the ordinariness mm. and he is mm. extraordinary. Let's, let's, not, let's not underplay that. We are talking about, you know, something mm-hmm. beyond imagining but it's it's not because we're clever not even because mm-hmm. we've prayed for huge amounts of time there's something about the simplicity you know and mm-hmm. the gospel is a, it's a simple gospel and i don't know why we try and make it complicated maybe it helps us feel important but actually <laughs> no right
2: yeah we do we overcomplicate you know oh there's these five steps and then there's these eight steps and then and it's not it's not that
0: way at all yeah yeah I just i I, I love what you're saying about simplicity I remember when um, I was learning about the fives well I mean it was in your <laughs> in your training and I have to repent for thinking this but I thought that's it like yeah like, yeah obviously shouldn't know anything about church like we need graphic design and we need, (laughs) we need banners and we need announcements. And I got to do like an eight week sermon series on this. Like we can't have this. (laughs) I mean, I just pray for five people for five minutes five times a week, like that, that's it. And I just bless okay. them for those that don't know what the fives are. Can you share and just a little bit about kind of that simple way? of well,
1: Yeah. So basically there's two aspects of local house of prayer. It's what you do individually, which is what you're talking about, the five people. And we have a simple thing to bless them. Five people for five minutes a day for five days a week. And we just, you know, we do that individually. So that's very simple. And then we seek to meet with one other once a week and you know for me local house of prayer it is very simple but there's some really key elements there that God has somehow put together and it's actually very strategic so when we meet together you say the three of us met together contending for our area we invite the manifest presence of God from that place of presence we speak blessings over the area you know there have been things that will have defiled our land in the history broken covenant promises bloodshed immorality but we don't get lost in the negative stuff we just speak and proclaim God's blessings over our land so and then there's this piece too where we ask what we call the Caleb questions which is about engagement which is like how could I show mercy to people so in the I mean I, I haven't got time to go into it all now but in the simplicity of it it is simple it's intentional it's missional it's about people it's about the land and it's about his kingdom coming beyond what we could dream or imagine. And we, like Caleb, don't stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and We don't stop until we see the breakthrough. You know, I don't know how many years it was between Caleb getting the promise, something like 46, I think, you know. And it may be that we're sowing something for a future generation. I don't think so. I think there's something around the corner.
0: Well, and let me let me just say that you do have the time because this is your space, right? We're here to listen <laughs> to you. So I want to give you a, I want to give you a scenario. Let's say that someone's listening to this, and what you're saying about the simplicity, the gospel, taking up our role as priests—it's everything God's been speaking to them over the last season, and it's being confirmed in this time, and their heart is being stirred, like. I want to do this, right? Like I want to start a local house of prayer. So let's say I got them in contact with you mm-hmm. and you're going to coach them, right? What are they going to be doing, right? What are the strategic ideas that they're going to have? Like, how would you kind of get someone going? What are the principles that they need to know?
1: So, yeah, so it is about blessing. I mean, we've traveled many, many places, many, many nations, not being funny about it, but that's the way it has been. And I think everywhere we've been, people haven't really understood what we're talking about in terms of this difference. So we we would activate a whole thing of, and teach on blessing. We'd tell some stories because I think there's something about hope. People need to connect back to their land and hear the song or, or remember the promises of what they have heard God say about the their community, their land. So we we remember that hope is really important. We need to be a people of hope, and we would just teach on blessing, teach on the presence of God. We do it on an online. So if anybody's interested, they can join us on an online session. It's two hours and then another two hours, and and actually we then journey together. So we haven't got all the answers. I mean, the guys in Australia are just seeing just levels of of networks bubble forth across the nation in extraordinary ways. We just hang out together and learn together in a learning community going forward. So I don't want to portray, yes, there are some principles. And actually it was interesting because I remember going with just before I was going to Burkina Faso to share about this. And somebody in our local house of press said, Oh, Anne, I, I saw us, we were going fishing and we caught some, well, you guys call it burlap. We call it Hessian. It's that sackcloth material. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, seriously, if I'm going fishing, I want fish. I don't want. Sack, yeah. I don't want sackcloth. And then three days later, I was with another lady in the church and she said, Anne, I saw you handing out these sacks of burlap and inside they had some gold coins. And I'm like, okay, I'm now listening, you know, and you just handed these out. And there was a man that took it and it could be anyone who's listening on this call. They just took it, uh, took this You know, and I believe those gold coins were the simple principles that God has placed in this ordinary, simple kind. of. And he said he took this man, took the sack and it turned it grew and it grew. And it was so big, he couldn't even lift it from the ground. And it turned into seed and it went to all sorts of places. So. Yeah, I mean, the simple principles are around blessing, are around the presence of God, are around taking our place and intercession and engagement with our communities, just watching what he is doing in our communities and blessing it, because as we partner with God, that's how we see the increase. Blessing is a multiplication of favor. So there's some simple principles. And, you know, God is a God of multiplication. And as we just partner with him and watch these things happen, you know, he can multiply it and these yeah the transformation will follow across the nations
0: when you say hope can you give us a story about like just some ordinary person somewhere and something that god miraculously did or uh,
1: yeah well it was that interesting because yeah. i mean the journey for hope restored started for me at falder brennan or i re-engaged with it because i went to Felderbran for the first time there were six people from Australia sitting in the row in front of me I had no idea you'd have people coming for a two-day conference from Australia I just didn't quite get that and they was talking about prophetic things I didn't understand but and it was about horses which I really didn't understand but as I got in the car this lady on the team at Felderbran turned to me and said and what we need is Jesus to come on the white horse and she didn't know that I lived in the Vale of the white horse and we'd had prophetic words over our land that this veil would not just be known as the veil vale of the right horse, but the veil of the rider on the white horse. So she didn't know that. And when she said that, I thought, I remember that. And so that's what I mean about a restoration of hope is remembering the promises and holding on to those promises and reminding God, you know, I think of a story of the guys in the Hebrides who, you know, I met the father, actually, who said, Father, you are a covenant keeping God. You promised you're going to pour the water on the dry ground. Your honor is now at stake. That's how he prayed. And at that point, the building Mm. shook. So, wow. as we as we remember the things that God has promised us, that's what I would say, first of all, remember His promises and and stand with those. And then it's just watching. I mean, you know, even just in our street, you know a five year old boy going down the road as we're blessing the ears of those who who walk down our street that they will hear the voice of God. And this five-year-old boy, no church background, going down the road with his school friends and the teacher, who's not a Christian either, says, close your eyes, boys and girls, what can you hear? And this five-year-old boy puts up his hand and says, I can hear God speaking to me. And the teacher says, oh, that's nice. What did you say? He told me to lie down on the grass and pray to Jesus. Mm. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but when God starts speaking to a five-year-old boy who has no church background at all on that order, this and what we begin to, I'm paying attention. Yeah, seriously paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could tell you so many more other stories about kids. I actually believe God's gonna be moving amongst the very mm. small too because they're going to hear the voice of God. We had a, a young a young girl who came on an online training with her mum and decided she wanted to start a local house of prayer. She's a seer. And I thought, you know, we were sharing about resources and how could we support her, but she saw in the heavenlies the power of blessing, you know, and she said, Mummy, you need to put your earplugs in. I mean she saw all the principles from a heavenly perspective as a child. And so I could tell you story after story, and there's almost like a dance going on between the people of God, the community, and the Holy Spirit. And even being able to say to the people in our community, you might not think you hear God, but I hear God through you, is people Mm -hmm. start belonging. They don't feel like a project. You know, they start belonging before they're believing. And, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. so... So much. I mean, even the restoration of community in our village, people just coming into our village and in the pub and in the um, cafe in one week when I'm saying, Jesus, what are you doing here? Because I like to see what he's doing so I can partner with him. And it was like i I, we were blessing the businesses, but I couldn't even get a cup of coffee or anything because there were so many people. And I said, what's going on? She said, I don't know. But people are coming into this Two different places the same week, they're coming into our cafe, they're coming into our restaurant saying, we're buying a house in this village because of the sense of community. And God Mm. loves community, you know. So we're like only at the beginnings, but something's stirring.
0: You shared with me that vision that the little girl had about kind of like bombs, from blessing yeah. bombs. Can you just share a little, like just yeah. a little bit more? It's a great, it's a great metaphor, I think. Yeah. So this symbolism, is just yeah. A,
1: yeah. So this is a, an Australian girl who, who was, as I say, had a seer gift. Decided she wanted to start a local house of prayer, and we just connected with them, thinking, oh, well, how can we resource the, the the kids with the appropriate resources, which we're still on the case of exploring. And she said, the thing is, mummy, there are all these bombs. They're like, and they're blessing bombs. And when you throw them... You, you throw them like this, mummy, and they, they just, confetti just lands. And it's all this different color confetti. She said, you can't draw the colors because they're different colors in heaven, but it just lands all over the place. So this idea of just throwing something, and it is, socially you put my name upon the people of Israel, my name upon the land, and I will bless. So it's almost, this is exactly what we're doing. And then she said, and the thing is, mummy, you need to put your earphones in. Do you put your earphones in? And um, her mother was kind of like, I don't really know what you're talking about. Well, you need to listen to what God wants to bless and then you bless. And I'm like, those are such key principles of local houses of prayer, coming into the presence, the power of blessing, listening to what he wants to do and partner with him. And I was telling this story on an online cafe and there was a lady in from Colombia and she just started a local house of prayer. This is just recently, just before Christmas. And she was trying to put up her hand and say, And she'd been teaching in Spanish because we've got the resources in Spanish about local houses of prayer to her community. And then she's walking down the street with her daughter who's four years old. And and, I mean, this daughter is saying with complete authority, you see that man over there? You need to bless him. You need to bless him with a new pair of shoes. You see this? You need to bless that lady that she'll know Jesus. And she'd got, I don't know how this four-year-old daughter, but the mother was paying attention because the child was saying it with such authority. Mm -hmm. And it's just this posture of leaning in, of listening, of being childlike and seeing what God might do. And yeah. yeah.
0: Beautiful. Last kind of topic I want to throw out there to have you comment on is where do you feel that the church is falling short in our teaching and practice in terms of prayer? Um, And I, I just have to be very mindful when I say this, because this isn't a question to throw the church under the bus and, you know, the church is doing everything wrong. It's just more of, you know, the church needs prophetic voices to highlight what god is trying to say to us and as you said oftentimes the local uh, the established church can be not listening or at times antithetical to that but you know what would you say to the church at large in general the church with a c capital c right Mm -hmm. of what god is saying what what is he doing where are we falling short as a church
1: Okay, well, here are a few thoughts in no particular order, but I do think, you know, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people will humble themselves. And I always remember the story of Roy at Felder Brennan just wanting to say, he said, "I, I it's my favorite line in the grace outpouring. He said, I just want to say before everybody, I don't know how to pray. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, you can't say that. You're leading a prayer and retreat center. Of course, you know how to pray, you know. like this. <laughs> And he said, no, 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 I need to say it. And, you know, the amazing thing was that, you know, there's Father Brennan on this place called Dry Stream. But around that time when he said that, not only did everybody who was in the retreat center, who, by the way, were a young group of people, have a vision of Jesus that night and were knocking on the door the following morning, but also the water table (laughs) and literally the water table ruts. the spring waters broke forth. And there was, I mean, it reached the, you know, the regional news that there's been an unprecedented rise in the water table. And I just take that very seriously that I think this posture of let's humble ourselves, Lord, teach us, Lord, you know, what is it for this season is just such an important starting place. Mm-hmm. So that humility would be something that I would say we've already touched on priesthood and restoration of blessing but I think you know some churches and you know they're organized in a sort of top down triangle and and actually you know with a whole lot of projects and I mean I'm an engineer I love projects but actually I'm done with projects and programs but if we turn the triangle upside down and think of the priesthood of all believers, and face outwards to serving our community, you know, it's altogether a paradigm shift. I remember saying that to this guy who's, who was whose father had seen the Hebridean revival break out and had prayed, you know, your honor is at stake. And when I said this about these triangles, he said, yeah, but that will take brokenness. And I think, yeah, actually, it probably will, because so often our, our identity comes in our performance. You know, it's yeah. about what we do or how many hours mm-hmm. we've done this or done that, as though that's going to... So I would say, number one, humility. Number two is just like, have we got the paradigm right? Number three, are we putting the the ladder against the right wall? I mean, you know, are we too focused on our churches rather, you know, Jesus said, I will build my church. You can do the kingdom business stuff. So should we be Mm -hmm. facing more outwards than we are inwards? And should our whole focus be around empowering and equipping the priesthood? To take their place, to know who they are, to know what they who they carry, and to just arise and shine and, and take their place. So that would be my, you know, thing. It's all about the presence of God. It's not about programs. It's not about performance. And it's about serving one another and honoring one another as we all carry what we carry and learn from each other going forward. So I've, I've thrown in a lot of different things there. Um, many of them peas, not all of them, but it's about the presence of God. It's about just taking our place. I mean, if it's about one thing, it's about the presence of God. There mm. is no shortcut on it.
0: Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for joining us. We certainly appreciate your time. As you say, on the other side of the pond, it's uh, going to be evening. So bless you this evening. I am so encouraged to hear your prophetic voice of the church. I, I mean, it gets me like I'm currently right now, like my heart is pitter pattering, you know, like, yes, yes, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> you know, Who can we help? Come on, let's go. And, and I'm meeting with some, mm-hmm. some, you know, like three or four groups right now. And and I got to say that every group I, I've, I'm meeting with try to help them to get something going. It's every single one of them is like, you know what? We just need to pray. Yeah. Let's yeah. pray. Let's listen. Yeah. Let's discern. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah. we need more of that. But thank you so much. Bless you. Bless your yeah. ministry. Thank everything you. going on. Thank you on. for sharing. Yeah. And can I, can go I ahead. just
1: speak a blessing on over those that are listening now? Is, yes, yes,
0: please. Is yes. that me okay? Mm-hmm.
1: So I just want to bless you all who are listening now. I bless the fire of God that is just stirring in your heart, that it'll be a fire that you cannot contain, that you cannot control. And I just bless you and your yes, that as you arise and shine and take your place in your communities, I bless you to dream for the immeasurably more. And that step by step, green shoot by green shoot, you will see an unprecedented breakthrough in your communities. That the earth will be filled, one community by one community, one person by one person, with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Amen.
0: Amen. Yes. Hey, if people want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing, you know, could you share with us a little bit about your website and like how, how they might find you?
1: Yeah, so hopefully you'll be able to put a a link on the website. Could you can you attach a link or something? Of course, to, mm-hmm. it's localhousesofprayer.org and there we will advertise there. There's events sections and stories sections because there's people we want to hear the stories as well. So that will be shared with you, and we we'd just love to connect with you. There's some folk your side of the pond who are serving this sort of emerging network, so we'll do whatever we can to to journey with you and. Um, and watch what he
0: might do wonderful yeah wonderful. local houses so of prayer exciting. just type that in to your google or safari whatever you have and it'll pop right up
1: it's local houses of prayer all oneword.org.org there
0: it. you go there you go yeah, it's well, well put it worth in your the time show yeah well worth Brilliant. your time well once again Ann, thank you kristen thank you. uh that's that's a wrap on season two. Bravo. Yes, we saved the best for last. So for all of you that are listening, agree. yeah, like Ann said, we want to bless you. We thank you for listening to these episodes. We hope that you have been encouraged and motivated into taking your places as, as priests in, into to rising up and taking your place in the kingdom it is definitely our heart for all of our listeners and what God can do in and through you in the kingdom mm-hmm. as always if you haven't please subscribe to our podcast and feel free to check out what we're doing at the Lowry's on or on Facebook at the Lowry's on mission and I would like to end with this if if you're listening And, you know, you just please contact us. We would love to be able to resource you and empower you. We'll get you Anne's email if you want to email her and get in contact. It's just really our heart is is to see God's people Mm -hmm. rise up. So with that being said, thank you all for joining us. Kristen, do you want to give us the final shout out as we go?
2: And we'll see you next season.
0: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.